Hey Jexiteers, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. And today I'm joined by my friend and XJW author, Johnny Halfhead. Johnny has written three short stories about various subjects of JW life. And tonight we'll be discussing his third one entitled The Offense of Grace. But before we begin, I just have to let you know that this live stream is definitely not suitable for children. And we'll be discussing subjects that might that you might find distressing. And with that, please allow me to introduce Johnny Halfhead. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mr. Jexit. Mr. Jexit himself. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me tonight. Pleasure. Okay. So how's your day been? Um, a, a very interesting day. I've flown an aeroplane today. Uh, it was a, a, a 50th birthday present um, from my wife and my parents-in-law. Um and it's uh, it was quite an experience. Wow, <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> well, you survived it to be here this evening, so I take it that everything went well. Yes, I, <laughs> I reached up to God, I did. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. So, please tell us about your book. If you just start by giving us a brief synopsis. Uh, okay, so it's a, it's a fictional story um, about... Uh, a girl called Grace who goes through the most unfortunate uh, experience of having a ministerial servant in the congregation um, rape her and basically it's the uh, story of not only the awful experience but then of the consequences of that experience uh, uh, with having to face her mother and having to face the elders uh, and mm. the experience uh, that that brings up, the harrowing experience that that brings up. Yeah, thank you. I mean, um, this the experience that, that you, you, you know, that forms the, the the main part of your story is definitely not uncommon in 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 the Jehovah's Witness organisation. Did you draw on an, on any real life experiences as, as inspiration for the story? So, um, there's a group called Faith to Faithless mm. um, that uh, Terry and Steve run in the UK. Um, and they do meetups around the country. So they do XJW meetups. Um, and I started going to a few. Um, and it, they're quite good, the meetups are, because you can either uh, go and tell other people your experiences, or you can sit and listen to other people's experiences. Um, and quite a lot of the time i like to sit and listen to people and some of the things that mm. people have told me have just been absolutely awful and harrowing and you just cannot believe that it's so prolific that these things go off so much that there's person after person after person coming to you with very very similar experiences it's awful to sit and listen to it 
Uh, and that's kind of where I thought that some of this needs to be exposed. And if I've got the capability of doing it, um, then I should give it a go. Thank you. And you know, I'm, I myself, and I'm sure many others, are glad that you that you decided to do that. You know, um, I've, I myself, I've spoken to a lot of people who've gone through very similar experiences to the to the main character in the book, and they always find it extremely validating to hear other similar experiences from other people. Not that they take delight that others have suffered in the same way that they have, but to there's something very um, reassuring to know that you're not alone in your experience, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people who, who have read and who will read your book will, will you know, have similar sentiments. Yeah. I, I just hoped it was a very difficult thing to write, mm. um, simply because you've got to have, you've got to find the right level. Um, I wanted to make sure that I didn't make it too light. Yeah. But then I was very aware that it of making it too heavy for many readers. Um, uh, but also not stepping into a line where some sick person might actually get something out of it as well because of the detail. Mm. Mm. Um, I was so nervous about writing it. <laughs> Um, uh, I had to put it past a few people to ask them to read it for me uh, to make sure that I, I got the right level. Um, and I hope you think I did. I hope I really hope that, uh, yeah, that I found the right level for it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can only imagine that it must have been extremely difficult to write, extremely difficult. And I think that you said is a really important point that you were, you, you know, you were responsible enough to not want to, you know, feed anyone's fantasies uh, by, by being, you know, with, with a certain level of of explicit content. I do think that you managed to get the right tone of making it a serious book while at the same time not fetishizing the experience. Yeah, that, that couldn't have been easy to do. Not at all. Um, and... I always find it really difficult when I start a book. Uh, I question myself way too much. Uh, but that again, that's another part of being a witness. Absolutely. I was just going <laughs> to say that, actually. You're right. Absolutely right. Uh, and it's every book that I've wrote so far has been the same. Um, I must get at least 10 false starts. I start something. I question myself. Um I'm not sure if I want to do it. Uh, I'm not sure if I should do it. Um, I'm not sure if I'm good enough to do it. That's the biggest thing. Why mm. is anybody even remotely interested in anything I've got to write? But then I suppose the most important thing is doing it and get it, getting it out there and let other people make their minds up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you were writing it, did you have a particular audience in mind? I mean, were you aiming it towards the current Jehovah's Witness, an ex-Jehovah's Witness, or a non-Jehovah's Witness? What, what, in your mind, was the prim primary audience or intended audience for the book? I suppose I wanted to represent those people that I'd talking, you know, had a chat to at mm. the XJW meetings. I didn't want to 
single out anybody in particular um, because obviously if people are having conversations with you, they should not be going outside of these meetings at all. So there was no real detail from what I remember of those conversations. It was, there's, there's quite a few parts in those in that story where I remember how I felt going in to a judicial meeting in front of elders. Mm. And I remember how horrible it is. And I, all I could do was just even try and imagine how awful it would have would be to be in that worse circumstance. You know, I, all I did uh, when I was brought in front of a judicial committee was um, commit some sexual misdemeanor with a, a girl that I really liked. Um, so it's nothing in comparison uh, to the harrowing, you know, stuff that's in the in the book. Nothing at all. So yeah, uh, I wanted to give voice to those people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that about um, your own experiences with judicial because as I was reading it, I kind of got the hint that you were writing from your own personal experience, not 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 necessarily what happened to the character, but your own personal experience of being in a judicial committee, because there were things in there that only someone who'd gone through that experience would know and understand. And it really resonated with me as I was reading it. In particular, the um, the, the, the parts where the main character was sitting in the car park, waiting for the elders to be ready and waiting to go inside and then being escorted outside once the, the judicial committee was over. I mean, it, it, it almost gave me flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's interesting what people pick out as well, because mm -hmm. the book's dedicated to an amazing woman called TJ Emery, who's had some similar horrible experiences, even worse than what's in the book. Um, and, um she picked out the uh, the detail of the smell of the electric heater in the room mm. um something i can remember because you always went uh, when you had a judicial meeting it was always outside of hours of the you know when the congregation yeah. wasn't there so yeah. the kingdom hall was always cold so the little mini heater was always on uh, and you can always smell the, uh, you know, the dust burning. And she picked that out, you know, and she remembered something very similar. Um, so it, it's, it's incredible that you can connect to people on that level. I think that's fascinating. I love that. I think that's, and that's, that's the purpose. If you can connect and you can represent, yeah. that makes it so worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure how much you want me to um, reveal about the, 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 the plot or, or the story, <laughs> because I, I definitely don't want to spoil it for anybody who intends to, to buy the book. Um, but I think one of, one of the things that you, that you did that I really liked while I was reading it is that it wasn't obvious how old the main character was right from the very start. Uh, I'm not sure if that was intentional or not, um, but I think that added a, a level of complexity that it was really intriguing to discover as you were going along. So was, was that intentional? 
Um, it, it wasn't intentional, I suppose, to to hide it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, um, I think that was more accidental. <laughs> um, it's interesting that yeah, the yeah yeah they pick up something yeah like that. I I no, I didn't intend that at all. Um, but a lot of the people that I, that I've talked to about these experiences um, were of uh, mid-teenage age um, mm -hmm. when their experience happened. So I thought that was quite typical to use that age. Yeah. Uh, and it's also representative of being baptised young. I think personally how on earth you can be baptized at 15 is just absolutely crazy. And yet that seems, if anything, that seems a little old nowadays. It, is, it, it seems. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think it helped to use that age, uh, to represent how ridiculous that choice is really because you just don't know what's coming and how you can deal with it or the circumstances of it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And to be honest, it's really, it's a huge indictment on the organisation that this is something that is so prevalent that, you know, there's so many experiences that can even be compiled into, <laughs> into books and short stories and, you know, and as I said, reading this, it was like a story that I'd heard a hundred times already, you know, just through speaking to people just in the past less than a year that I've, you know, been involved in activism. And I've heard this story over and over and over again. And, you know, that really does say a lot about the organization for the fact that we can, we can do that. It seems unfortunate that the way the organization works it harbours this kind of um, trend, unfortunate trend. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the same with child abuse. How it's it's awful just to think how it's able to be covered over and kept so quiet yeah. in front of so many people who would be absolutely horrified if they actually knew how much mm -hmm. prevalent it was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I was reading it, you include a, some very, very descriptive language about Jehovah's Witnesses, policies, procedures, uh, culture, and customs. And I got the sense that you were also really trying to capture the minds of people who may have nothing to do with the Witnesses at all or never, ever heard of them and that this information was included for their benefit so that they'd get some sense of what the organization was like. I really, really liked that. And also at the end, um, in the epilogue, you actually included a lot of details about the Australian Royal Commission and uh, different legal um, different legal cases around the world, which I thought was really, really good to highlight, especially for people who are, you know, are non-Jehovah's Witnesses. As an activist, one of my biggest frustrations is that the world in general knows 
next to nothing <laughs> about the organization and and its harmful practices so it was really refreshing for me to see that there do you want to just speak about that a little bit more why you why you chose to go in that direction the reason i put that last chapter in was uh because although the story is a fictional one uh and it is made up um and it isn't uh, an actual event that happened um that could take away from the story i thought um and the impact of it because it's made up mm. so i wanted to make sure like you say for any non-jehovah's witness or even a curious jehovah's witness that is reading it when they shouldn't be <laughs> yeah um that i can put something in that brings it back to reality mm -hmm. Um, and that's why I wanted to make it so factual as well at the end uh, to show that the stuff that's gone off in Australia with the Royal Commission and, uh, you know, some of the consequences of that since, um, that some of those facts do get out there. Yeah. Um, that although it's a fictional story, it's based on what is happening, you know, in this organisation around the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, at least to give people a chance to, or the opportunity to, to even, you know, to go and have a look for themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that I find really good was that including that information shows that there's more than one way to be an activist. Um, you, I don't, I don't know whether you consider yourself an activist or not. You, you know, you you give yourself that label, but what you're doing is actually activism you know whether you intend it to be or not or whether you realize it is or not and that and that's great and i think that's a that's an inspiration for anyone who wants to get involved in activism but may not necessarily be comfortable having a youtube channel or going to demonstrations or or anything like that i mean this really does show that there's there's not just one way to do it well i mean you have the gift to talk you're really good at that uh, and it's quite natural uh, i'm nervous as heck here <laughs> it's just not natural for me at all uh, i can talk in a crowd i can talk for england uh, but stick me in front of a, a camera or put me on the radio and i just yeah i, sh I shrivel and shrink up <laughs> so because you're doing fine so far so writing a book at least i can with a book i can be um i can take my time i can pick my words i can mm -hmm. say exactly how i want to say something um so i suppose that's my medium um, but there's something really I, the the process of awakening is a fantastic one in a way uh, mm -hmm. it has so many stages um and we we're just talking about it earlier um there was somebody who uh, put something up on a on a, a Facebook channel, uh, and they called their apostasism a second awakening, and I found that really interesting. That there are or there can be two awakenings. There can mm. be one where you come out of being a witness, and that's a very difficult one. But to actually face up to being an apostate and saying something takes a huge extra step. Yeah. And and I think it takes away the power of the cult 
to actually do that. You don't realize how much the cult, the Jehovah's Witnesses have still got that doctrinal power over you until you start to become an apostate. Absolutely. And it's a horrible word. It still makes me shiver when I say the word apostate, which is ridiculous because mm. they don't hold any power over me. But to say the word apostate is still quite frightening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I completely understand. I mean, um, before I started, before I got into to activism, I was speaking to a friend of mine who's no longer a witness. And... Um, he still was kind of how can i put it he was kind of what worried that i would become an apostate even though he's no not even a witness anymore i mean he's been out of the organization much longer than i have and you know to some extent he he may still be mentally in and um i, I mean i've spoken to many ex xjws who refuse to use that word but me personally, I, I wear it like a badge of honor. <laughs> I really do. Because not only does the organization no longer have any hold over me, they, they no longer have any hold, hold over the word. <laughs> mm. They don't own the word apostasy. No. It existed long before them, before they co-opted it and, and you know superimposed their own definition onto it with all of the stigma and, and everything else. You know, so and if it weren't for that word apostate, I may never have woken up because I saw that on a T-shirt, a friend of mine on her Facebook profile. She had the word apostate on a T-shirt and a, and a definition underneath it. And that piqued my interest. That got me curious to, you know, to why she self-identifying as an apostate. An apostate is like the most evil thing you could possibly mm -hmm. be. <laughs> why is yeah. she being proud? And, and, you know, and that started me down the, the the path you know to to waking up so i'm glad i'm, I'm you know i'm glad that she, that you know there are people who embrace that word and now i i do embrace it myself I, and i think that anybody who can do any work to speak out at all in any way whatsoever uh is a hero is a modern hero and it's something i do mention quite frankly in the book uh that we're in a time where there's a there's a lot going off between in the witnesses and with ex-witnesses there's a lot of people leaving um and there's a lot of support out there which is something quite new to have so much support um and it, it's there are so many people breaking out in the most awful of circumstances and every one of those people that do that really are heroes mm. um um one in particular is uh yeah i heard uh, a rumor about a uh, half a congregation that had basically come out all at one go um they basically all woke up together and i just thought that was the most amazing heroic thing to <laughs> ever hear and Pete, you know that things like that should be shouted out. They should be shouted out as loudly as possible because it's amazing and it's so hard to do. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, go, going back to the book, there was there were some characters in the book who, how can I say it without <laughs> without being too um, expository? 
there are some characters in the book that don't fit the the, the typical mold of, of what you'd expect elders to be like, especially in a book that covers this particular subject. Um, is that something that you encountered yourself in your in, in your own you know experience of being a witness? Did you ever encounter elders who were truly kind and wanted to help you? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this is it's so very easy when you come out of the witnesses to want to just hate everybody who's yeah. still a witness, um, and something you always take with you. I think a lot of people genuinely want to do good and they want to do good things and they want to be good people. They're just addicts stuck in an indoctrination that they can't see outside of. And they extremely are extremely fearful of as well. Um, so you kind of, I kind of understand you know that where a lot of them are and a lot of them are good really good people so i didn't want to make out that all jehovah's witnesses are just evil and all elders are just evil because they're not you know mm. the people in uh, well i've talked to elders who have come out themselves and they are so embarrassed and they are so sorry for the things they have done that they would not have done as normal in a normal human scenario. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the indoctrination had pushed them into a, into a place they would never have gone, you oh. know, naturally. Um, so I, I liked, I'd like, I wanted to put a balance in there of both, but yeah. I also wanted to make it, I think, you know, in a, in a big way, it's a very positive book. I didn't, some of the stories, um, a lot of the stories are so harrowing. Um, it's a little bit like, have you, have you read um, Victoria Spry's book? No, I haven't. Uh, it's. I know of her story. But yeah. It's, it's such a sad, sad story. And it's so horrific from beginning to end that there just doesn't seem to be any respite at all. Mm. And I wanted to put some respite in there. I yeah. wanted to put some hope in there because there is hope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, when I finished, oh, I meant to say this at the beginning. I have a small confession to make. This is the very first book that I've read cover to cover since leaving school. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've listened to audio books because I find them easier to digest, but I've always liked reading, but my whole life as a witness, definitely since leaving school, I've always felt guilt guilty about reading books that weren't JW books. Anytime I picked up a book and started reading a book, I thought to myself, the time I'm using to read this worldly book, I could be reading one of the society's publications. <laughs> And that voice would always be in the back of my mind and it made me feel incredibly guilty. And I just never, ever finished a single book. Wow. So this is the very, this is the very first book that I've finished. It's leaving the book. <laughs> I'm very honoured. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, um, just wanted to share that with you. But um, what was I saying? Yeah, I, I did, when I ended it, I felt very, very uplifted. 
not just for the fact that it was the first time that I finished a book in a long time, but the way the story ended, even though it was on about such a horrific subject, you know, and even though it was fiction, it's about things that I know for a fact have happened to real people and is still happening to real people. I didn't end the book on a on a low note. You know, um, it was I ended the book on a high note, but at the same time, it wasn't unrealistic. You understand what I mean? I think you, you, you managed to strike a really good balance between it being positive without it being a complete fairy tale ending, which would have just undermined the whole thing. Was that really difficult to achieve? It was. Um, and there's also a theme between the experience uh, that Grace goes through and the final part of a, of the book um, where she escapes. Mm. Um, and I wanted to draw a similarity between the two um, to create a, a complete picture. So there's a kind of similar similarity between the beginning of the book and the end of the book, but in two totally different circumstances. Mm. Um, I wanted to create that mirror, but also as well, uh, it, like I said about the congregation I heard about uh, of half the congregation coming out and, and splitting away little snippets like that. I wanted to put in uh, to keep it real mm. if I could, uh, but also to hope that some people would notice that and know that they are heroes. So that congregation that I've heard of, I've heard rumors of, I've not read it in print anywhere, but I've heard of this congregation that practically disbanded because there were so many people that left in disgust. They are heroes. And I wanted to be able to call to them and say, you are heroes. You know, what you've done is amazing. That's great. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that. Would you like to take some questions? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, so we have a question here from us oh, um, and viewers. Please feel free to type um, some questions in a comment if you have, if you'd like to ask Johnny anything about his book. And we already have one, which is from Paul Williams. Do you see the witnesses as captives of a concept and under the influence of control methods, or is it people afraid of losing family and friends? Oh, that's really good. Um, there's two parts, isn't there? And I, th I think it can be any combination of both or one or the other. Um, I think people are very frightened of losing everything. I lost everything when I, uh, when I left. Um, everything that I knew uh, was in that world of Jehovah's Witnesses um, because you're not allowed any anything from outside. There was nothing outside. So when I left, I had absolutely nothing at all. And it's that's, it's a big thing to hold on somebody, you know, mm. and, to, and to stop them from going anywhere. Um, I can understand why there's a lot of people that are, uh, which, way, which way is it? Is it PIMO, physically in, mentally out? Mm. You know, they can be mentally out, but they could stay in for years just because they're afraid of losing everything that they know. 
and captives of a concept the doctrination is so heavy but it's based on it is based i hate to say it it's based on a mental laziness you know when when the watchtower quote some scientific journal we don't go and check it out you know i suppose it's in the same way that we do now when we read a scientific journal that says this current theory works this way we don't go and study it for five years to check up that what the person's telling us is true you know you have to have a certain amount of faith in what you're told and if you trust totally the people that are around you then and that's your world then you're going you're going to believe them Yeah, I mean, I mean, you pick up on an important point about the quotes and, and stuff. I mean, I think that the indoctrination worked because people outsource their thinking ability, their critical critical thinking skills. You you completely outsource that to the governing body. You know, it's to say, I mean, I've literally heard people say, "Well, I don't need to research this. I don't need to think about it because they do all of that for us. You know, they've done all of that for us. We don't need to. They've made it so easy for us." And they say they actually think it's a good thing. They actually think it's a good thing. They 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 speak about it like it's a good thing that they don't have to think because someone else is doing their thinking for them. It's an act of faith, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so actually, that is encouraged to exactly. have faith and to not go and do the research so it becomes a vicious circle <laughs> i mean um when i when i was first waking up um in the really early stages it was it was like you know in the first week that i started watching apostate videos on youtube i came across this youtuber she's um what's her name again i think her name is melissa something can't quite remember but she was debunking an article that uh, and a quote that was in the watchtower and she said that she went and got the book that they were quoting from from and the mere fact that she had done that completely blew my mind i was like (laughs) i would never in a million years have thought to do that never in a million years and i was i I was thinking to myself she's a genius Because I would never have thought to do that, and she, but she did, and then she went and got the whole quote in its entirety, and then she showed how it was taken completely out of context, and what they were trying to make the the quote say, the actual quote said the complete opposite, and I'd never ever forgotten that, never forgotten that, you know. So now, whenever I'm like reading and Watchtower articles, and I see the ellipses that dot dot dot. <laughs> That's a cue to go and find the source material. Because <laughs> you know there's something dodgy in those dots. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. The devil's in the dots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got another question from <laughs> from Back Personality. How do you heretic? <laughs> and he asks, where do babies <laughs> Goats. He's brilliant, this this guy. I love this guy. I, I, I love his videos. Uh, Mr. Goat-like personality, keep doing your videos because they are genius. <laughs> yeah, they are fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I love to watch them. And because you're so funny, it, you give another um, angle 
on everything. And we, you highlight the same things. It's the same things again, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. from a completely different perspective again. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where babies come from. <laughs> Little goats, I should imagine. Them lovely goats of yours. They're lovely, they are. Those oh, goats. yeah. They've got such personalities. <laughs> mm-hmm. They've got such personalities. Yeah. That last video um, about the, the uh, pocket calculator, oh, that was just... <laughs> That was a great video. The story about the old sister that that was trying to put a claim on him <laughs> while it was five or something. I laughed uh, all the way through that video. Another hero, another uh, another hero. Yeah, yeah that's out there. Yeah, very Definitely. brave, very fantastic. Super. Keep keep it going because yeah. it entertains me as well. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, let's see. Are there any more quick? Right, this question is from Theological. Do you think there is a possibility a big multi-character story following various archetypes of witnesses that could be a great novel, even a TV series? There's, there's so much in the witnesses that's there for the picking mm. when it comes to doing stories. I think there's quite a few people that have said to me, oh, you kind of hoping that I'll move away from the witnesses. Um, I, I'm writing my fourth book at the moment, um, and, and it's still part of the witnesses witness story. Um, and why not? There's so, there's, it, there's so much in going down the rabbit hole. There's so much to find uh, and to use that it's a dream, really to be able to use and to know because I know it so well because I lived it for 20 years um, mm-hmm. I might as well use it um, but yeah I think there's a there's a massive po- uh, possibility whether or not the world wants to know about Jehovah's Witnesses I'm not sure because I wouldn't say it's a big pull I don't think people know much about the Jehovah's Witnesses I think what uh, is it Leah Romani has done with mm-hmm. oh what what's the sect called um, yeah, Scientology Scientology that's it yep um, is incredible and you could do a similar thing with the witnesses that'd be that'd be more interesting would be to do you know a really fascinating documentary series uh, that would be fantastic that would be amazing I think people would be blown away you know. I would love to see a fictional TV series around witnesses. I mean, there, there, there's been what ones done about the Mormons, um, but I mean, let, let's face it: most <clears throat> really big modern-day entertainment comes from America. So, any religious-based TV series are going to be about religions that are big over there, mm. and the Mormons in America are huge, much, much bigger than the witnesses. Um, so I think this, this is the thing. The witnesses, in terms of the world in general, are, are minuscule. Mm. You know, they, they're a blip. They don't even appear on anybody's radar, which is the complete opposite of what witnesses actually. What you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they think that they're so central to think what's going on in the world, and you know, but it's just the complete opposite. The world just doesn't care about witnesses at all 
you know, beyond being um, bothered on a Saturday morning by them waking you up out of bed, <laughs> the witness the world doesn't knows nothing about witnesses and doesn't care. You know, so I think it's unlikely that we'd see, you know, like a major TV show centered around, you know, a congregation or a witness family or anything like that. I think we're we're very far off from that. I just don't think they're smart, to be honest. But I would love I to see. I think this is why I think probably a documentary would work because scandal helps and there's plenty of scandal. Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> yeah. And scandal does very, very well in terms of entertainment. Mm. Mm. Okay. We have eyes on the prize. <laughs> about a few different families. Oh, how they may be judged each other when they see each other at the grocery store but they are still screwed up in their own ways <laughs> I'll be interesting to see <laughs> yeah so uh, there's an opportunity for somebody to do a YouTube channel you see <laughs> you could actually yeah. do something we all know we would know the in jokes <laughs> yeah that's true. That's, true. that's true the guy who did the Lego that um, Kevin McCree that's the one, yes. Yeah. His oh, were fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. And because you knew because you knew all the in jokes, yeah. it made it yeah, it made it so funny. Sean Miller. Oh Sean, how are you doing? Good to see you there. <laughs> asks, My wife and I came up with a hilarious pilot episode for a witness based show. Do you know any producers? <laughs> 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 I don't know any producers, but I know someone who might know some producers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> and JW Suicide says, Kevin was the best ever. Yes, he absolutely was. Absolutely was. Yep. I'd love to see more episodes of Uptown. The, yeah, the, uh, it was very, it reminded me of Spitting Image in a way. Yeah. It, yeah. it allowed you to do and say a lot of things that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a very, very serious, but you could do it kind of tongue-in-cheek tongue because it was Lego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody else um, made a comment about... Yeah, here we go. I did like Parker's novel, The Turning Sword, about post-Armageddon. I recommend it. I'm not familiar with that, but I did recently read... Um, I think it was just like a blog post and it was like an armageddon diary it was written from the perspective of an armageddon survivor and it was like a day-by-day -day account of what things were like in the new system and it was absolutely horrendous <laughs> absolutely horrendous things that as a witness current witnesses or you know even you or i when we were witnesses, never had to talk about you know because when you you think about paradise and the new system just you know it's, there's going to be a thousand year reign and you know it's going to take a thousand years to get to perfection you know it's going to take time to turn the earth into a paradise but you don't think about there being anything bad day one after armageddon but what what this author wrote in this diary was just really eye-opening and very very thought-provoking there's just so much this is don't think about like you know clearing away the dead bodies and you know and um, people who are resurrected who don't perform, you know, things like that. Which is just, gen just do not think about that. No, 
that's so weird um my second book uh is called um the 1975 apocalypse and that's exactly what it's about oh wow okay <laughs> uh, it's funny but this is i mean this is another thing i i want to try and get some of these um books if i can exposed and out there so mm. i've been trying to put a couple up on um uh, on my own website johnnyhalfhead.com um so yeah i'm gonna look out for this thanks for this jw suicides i'm going to have a look for that and i'll have a read of that uh it's a bit annoying because yeah it sounds very similar to the book that i that i've done but obviously they've done it a bit way before me right. um, <laughs> so i'd like to go and see uh how they've done it yeah it'd be really mm -hmm. interesting to see that yeah to read yeah. that yeah so i'm definitely going to read um, your other books and um have you back on the channel to speak about oh, brilliant. those as well yeah that'd be that'd great, be great. Now, now that you've told me what the 1975 one is about that's going to be the next <laughs> one <laughs> okay um yeah are there any more questions uh, show the path on Hulu. Great cult show that any XJW would relate to. I haven't heard of that one, but I'll look into it. I have not heard of that. No, me neither. And JW Suicide says, Johnny, I'm connected with you on Facebook. We'll have a share. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Good. So um, you mentioned that you're writing a fourth book at the moment. Um, yes. Are, are you able to give us a synopsis of that? Um, right, so the very first book that I wrote was called Nine Pills, um, and although it's fiction, it's quite strongly based on my life as a Jehovah's Witness, and then coming out from being a Jehovah's Witness, um, and the book, kind of, that first book uh, was quite raw, it's the first book that I wrote, Um and it kind of finished not long after I left the witnesses. Mm. Um, and quite a few people have said to me, oh, you really ought to do, you know, a sequel um, to it because it was just the start of quite a few interesting things happening um, because I, I decided that I wanted to play in a band. Um, so I loved goth music so i really got into goth music and i wrote a fanzine for a couple of years uh and then i joined a band uh, and toured, toured with a band for a couple of years so there's some interesting stuff in there and all that time that i was doing that i was having struggle and turmoil still with being an ex-jehovah's witness and still believing i was going to die at armageddon mm. so basically the book that i'm writing now is that story uh, right. that continues on um, about going all weird <laughs> uh, and um, I won't say justifying it to myself but having that anxiety and fear of what God thought of me uh, yeah. and what's going to happen when Armageddon finally does come yeah I know exactly what it's like um, the very first time that I gave myself permission to look up or to research the organization i was absolutely terrified i've i've thought to myself this is like the final frontier <laughs> yeah. 
this is definitely like crossing the Rubicon. I was like, this is like the the, the, the final step. There's no going back after doing this. You know, because I, 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 by that time, I decided that I was never coming back to the organization. But at the same time, the, the finality of knowing that if I at any time changed my mind, taking this step would completely make that null and void ever, ever. That, that was very, very frightening. Mm. It was very, very frightening. But I did it anyway, and I'm glad I did. But I, I completely understand what what that's like. That's that's in a struggle. Yeah, and, and this I'm, I'm, this is this is pre-internet as well. So you know, I left in. So I was born in seven, 1970. I left in. 1990 at the age of 20 um and it's for 15 years it still um followed me in, everywhere mm. uh, and it wasn't until really the proper age of the internet that i really started to see things differently and started to see the organization for what it is mm. um the internet is the most wonderful thing <laughs> um it's incredible because you can find just about anything um yeah and i do think that the internet will ultimately be what causes the downfall of the organization because it's just not, not designed to to withstand the information age no it just wasn't it's a 19th century um religion yeah uh that like you say is just not it's just not built for the freedom of information mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no absolutely not okay we've got um, a couple more questions uh, there we go from eyes on the prize do you still have faith or are you now an atheist <laughs> Um, the only thing I don't believe in is absolute absolutes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Jehovah's Witnesses are a very black and white religion of absolutes. And it's so easy to go and take that type of indoctrination and to put it into something else. Um, I wouldn't... <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm an atheist. I wouldn't exactly say I believe in God either. I would say anything's possible. <laughs> I, I loved when The Matrix came out. It was the most amazing film. I'd To know all the religious references that yeah. came from The Matrix, uh, The Matrix trilogy, but that it's the concept of it as well. There's something, there's a concept there that you could not tell somebody 60, 70 years ago and they would understand it. So how on earth, with our limited knowledge, can we possibly know anything, really? Um, so my philosophy is that anything is possible. Mm. Mm, thank you. And I love that movie as well, The Matrix. <laughs> so many <laughs> There's so many parallels between witness the whole matrix story i mean just it's it's mind blowing it absolutely is okay um xjw uk anita asks do you have any jw family 
Hi, Anita. <laughs> oh, Anita's brilliant. Um, some of the uh, online XJW meetups that we have, uh, Anita's usually there doing a knitting. She's fantastic. She's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, uh, she's a through and through a prostate and proud. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, do I? Uh, the majority of my family is still JW. Um, I have one uncle who is not, uh, and we get on really well and we see each other uh, quite a lot. Um, but the rest of my family are all JW, um, and they're not they're not really interested at all in me. Um, and I, I feel. I, I do feel for them because I think there's, I think from what I've seen of this last couple of years, I fear that the J Jehovah's Witness organization is starting to collapse. And because it's a cult and what happens to cults when they're backed into a corner, mm. I fear what might happen to some people in, in it. Um, so it's hard not to, be concerned about the family that I still have in the J, you know, in the Jehovah's Witness organization, um, and wondering what's going to happen to them in the next few years. I hope, you know, that at least if, if they do leave and they come out, that they can see that there's all this support network that's out there at the moment, it, you know, um, uh, and they can get in touch, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I I share those those fears with you. You know, I mean, taking into consideration uh, the pacifist nature of Jehovah's Witness culture, I don't think that they're going to go the way of Heaven's Gate or Jonestown. But I really do think that if the, the organization did completely collapse, I fear for what individual witnesses would do, you know, how they would handle it or fail to handle it more. Mm. You know, I do. I, I, I mean, you know what it's like you know, physically out, but mentally in, and then waking up and knowing what that, what effect that had on your, your mental health on your psyche, you know, even if you've been out of the organization for a number of years, realizing all of a sudden that it's just all completely false. Your whole worldview is just all completely wrong. That really does a number on you mentally. What that would do to somebody who's still in, you know, with the organization collapsing as well, I shudder to think how that's gonna affect some witnesses. You know, I don't think that there would be a man coming down from the governing body to do anything drastic or stupid, but I think it's unrealistic to think that individual witnesses wouldn't. I think I think my biggest fear is if you ended up with an extremist in mm. the governing body. Yeah. Uh it's I would say the governing body's quite vulnerable at the moment. It's very political. And if somebody got in with any even marginally extremist views the the witnesses are ripe for manipulation the organization yeah. is ripe for it and that's quite frightening as well yeah. um 
I, I did make did I make a joke to you about wondering what was in the uh, the witness you know the new buildings in America whether or not they've got well, yes, arms depot in the bunker yes. <laughs> you yes, know it, did, it's yeah. I think that's very extreme but it again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it does make you wonder um, what what could happen and it's quite frightening so yeah. to have people like yourselves out there you know at least as a source and a guide to help people mm-hmm. it is is really it's the most important at the moment i think i think it's a, a critical time yeah yeah it, it, it's interesting what you said about you know you fear that we might end up with an extremist person appointed to the governing body and there's actually a parallel with that in your book with like the uh, the chairman of the judicial committee <laughs> in the book and I've, ex- I've experienced that myself um you could have a body of elders that are f- all fairly reasonable and kind and well-meaning people all you need is just one bully all you need is just one outspoken bully and they can very very easily overpower the the voice and the will and the attentions of the whole body you know I've, I've seen that myself i mean when i first woke up i spoke to a friend who's disfellowships and he was an elder and he said oh yeah that happens all the time <laughs> because that happens all the time you get you know you and that's very very forceful or very outspoken and they basically just shout everyone else down and everything goes their way you know, I shudder to think <laughs> somebody like that appointed to the governing body. <laughs> I suppose it's a bit like some businesses. Um, you know, it's a structure where it encourages the narcissist. Yeah. They will Absolutely. always rise to the top and try and take over, um, much to the detriment of everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, that, that is so. Yeah. Okay, I think we have time for one final question, and that is from JW Suicides. Why is the governing body seemingly so scared of imprisonment? I don't think they're scared of it. I think they want it. Mm. it it's because it, it if it feeds it proves, into their persecution narrative. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's really clever. I mean, I I do wonder. You know, when you watch um, the um, documentaries about Scientology, mm. there's quite a few times I've watched that, and I've thought, I wonder if the guy who formed Scientology, I wonder if he looked at the Jehovah's Witnesses and thought, that's a clever formula. I like the way that that's structured and the way you can control that because it's it is. It is very clever psychologically. Extremely. Um, so as soon as as soon as you're like like with what's happening in Russia, as soon as anybody is put under pressure, even in I suppose Australia or you know some of the um, European countries where they're starting to question uh, the legality uh, and the human rights of the Jehovah's Witness organisation. Mm. Um, that just feeds into the very myth uh, and it just works, you know, for the governing body. They love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. 
um, that was the biggest revelation to me when I was um, not when I was waking up. I'd, I'd already woken up, but I started um, reading Stephen Hassan's book, um, Combating Cult Mind Control. I was listening to the audio book, and when he was describing the beliefs of the cult that he was in, the Moonies, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, when he was describing their beliefs, I could not believe the similarities between that group and the witnesses. I thought to myself, the guy who founded this cult just copied the witnesses. <laughs> I thought. But then when you when you start researching and learning about other cults, you realize that they're all just, they're all like different branches of the same tree. You know, it's as if there's like a a, a, um, a major cult template that they they they've all used and adapted in their own way, but they're all related. Yeah. Yeah, and that was that was something really difficult for me to wrap my head around, even though I'd already woken up. Because as a witness, you're you're taught that you're so special and you're so unique and we're so different from everyone and everything else. And superior even. I mean, they might not use that word, but that's basically what mm. they say. You know, so finding that out was just, it blew my mind. Literally blew my mind. Okay, so I think, are there any more questions? I think that is it. So thank you so much, Johnny. I've really enjoyed doing this and I'm definitely going to have you back on to discuss your other books. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And all the best with your fourth book. Please let me know. Give me a heads up when that one's ready. I'd love okay. to read that. Actually, I'm going to leave, since it's a, it's a sequel to Nine Pills, isn't it? Yes. But I'm going to leave Nine Pills to last. The next book mm -hmm. I'm going to read is 1970. I've got them all here on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Next one I'll read will be the 1975 Apocalypse, and we'll have you back on the channel to, to discuss that. Thank you very much. Uh, and just keep doing what you're doing. Please just Thank keep you. doing it because uh, your channel is fantastic um, and it's so needed. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And thank you, Jex of Tears, for stopping by again. If you haven't already done so, please like and subscribe to the channel. And I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jexit underscore 2020.